Welcome to Journey in the Word with Pastor Randy Mosher of Calvary Chapel, the Cumberland Valley. We are located in Hagerstown, Maryland. Please join us every weekday as our pastor takes us verse by verse through a book of the Bible. Today, we're picking up in the book of Philippians. In this book, Paul calls the church in Philippi to live lives that reflect Christ, even in times of persecution. Remembering this, to live as Christ, to die as gain. So if you're able, grab your Bibles and join us as we continue our journey in the Word. Philippians chapter 1, beginning in verse 19. Let's read this for context. We're actually going to pick up in verse 21 this morning, but you need to read these two to to know where we're at. Philippians 1 and verse 19. For I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayers and the supply of the saints, the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. According to my earnest expectation and hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness as always, so now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you this morning, and Lord, we just ask that you just, you just gather our hearts together as one. Give us that, that unity of spirit, Lord, that unity of mind, that unity of heart this morning, so that we could be gathered here together, hearing you, settling us down, just keeping our hearts attuned to what it is that your Spirit is saying to us through your Word this morning. And help us to grow. Lord, help there to be fruit that comes from this. May we all be challenged. May we all grow through it, Lord. And, and Father, I do ask that you just uh, fill this empty head of mine with your words, not mine. Just fill it with you, Lord. Fill it with your Word. And, and let it be your voice that your sheep hear this morning speaking to them so that we can follow you. And we can be a, a, a flock, Lord, that would be worthy of the calling that you've called us to, of your name upon us, Lord, that we could be your witnesses, your servants. We thank you this morning, and in Jesus' name we all pray. God's people prayed. Amen. Last week we finished at that verse, and we, I left you guys with a question. I said, how did Paul maintain his strong walk of faith in the midst of the dark circumstances that he was in? Remember, he's writing this letter from prison. You know, he's writing this letter. Now, he isn't the deep, dark prison that that we're familiar with that he will find himself in later, but he's certainly writing from house arrest. And he's chained to guards 24 hours a day. And and instead of seeing this as uh, lemons, he's making lemonade, if you will, right? Because he says, man, because of this, I'm able to witness to these guys. and, And the testimony is getting to the guards. And we know those guards were praetorians. And so these are, the, these are the guards that come out right out of Caesar's guards. And so Paul sees the potential of this. And, and I said last week, I mean, can you imagine being chained to the Apostle Paul? I mean, I just, every time I read this passage or think about this book, I think of those guys just chained to Paul 24 hours a day, getting to hear him pray, getting to hear him talk, getting to hear him share the gospel. I mean, and Paul's just looking at this and saying, yep, I'm in chains, but praise God. God, it's all going forth. It does not matter. But that begs the question, how does Paul maintain that strong walk of faith? I mean, there have to be moments, and we know in these couple of verses right here, Paul's saying that, you know, the testimony of what's happening is sustaining me, but, you know, ultimately, says in verse 19, that, that really it's, it's what's going to deliver me, not out of the chains, but deliver my heart from the darkness that can come over it and, and the discouragement and the frustration of it all. And believe me, I believe Paul probably got frustrated at times and was discouraged. Paul, Paul, yeah, this is great, but I could be doing so much more. You know, I, my ministry, I have such a gifting. I could be doing this for you, Lord, and not just these couple of people right here and this. 
So there can be discouragement that could have been setting in, and Paul's ultimately saying, but you know what? The key to that discouragement is your prayers, the supply that your prayers are bringing to my life. I need your prayers. So clearly, this was a struggle for Paul while he's in these chains. Don't get the impression that while he's going through this, that he's thinking that, oh, this is great. I'm just having a great time, because he's not. Paul's a human being. You know, sometimes we, we read his writings in the scriptures and, and we elevate him to something where he's really not at. He's like you and me. Granted, he, he was a man who'd learned to walk by faith, maybe in a greater measure than some of us have in our own lives. But at the end of the day, he was still a man. And as a man, he had the same discouragement that men's, men had in the same fears. So the question is, how is it that we can read something like this and see Paul saying something that might not quite reflect that humanity and the things he was experiencing as humanity. Well, I'd argue it's because he did something that many of us find very difficult to do. And that's what he's going to go on to tell us he did. Listen, he says in verse 21, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. To live is Christ and to die is gain. Here's the key. Apostle Paul could walk by faith like this. He could have a good attitude in the middle of it all. He could deal with it all because Paul had decided in his heart that he was going to die. Not physically, but, but that he had no regard for his life. He had no regard. He had no personal ambition for his life. He had no fear of death. He, he just assumed that when he gave his life to Christ, that he turned it over to, 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 to die with Christ. I mean, Paul writes about that in Romans 6.11 when he talks about being reckoning himself dead. Now, he says there in Romans 6.11 that he reckons himself dead to, to sin, but in reality, what he's saying is I'm reckoning myself dead to everything that was pulling my life, making, making it important to my life that wasn't of Jesus. I reckon myself dead. That's a pretty hefty term, that idea of reckoning. It's an accounting here. It's like, I've considered, I've logically laid out, I have thought it through, and I have determined in my heart that I'm just going to decide that I'm dead. That I'm dead. In other words, he lived his life as though he were already dead. Listen, he says this in 1 Corinthians verse 15 and 31. 1 Corinthians 15, 31, I affirm by the boasting in you, which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord, I die daily. What, what that statement says is that when Paul got up in the morning and the first thing he opened his eyes, he determined in that moment that he was dead to himself. That what he was living, life he was now living, was no longer what he once lived. It was only going to be an animated body by, by the Spirit of Christ living in and through him. That he was going to give himself over so much so to Christ's Spirit that, that God could have his way in him all the time throughout that day. Just imagine how that transforms because I'm, I'm not going to take a show of hands because I'd be embarrassed to do it, but to say how many of us have really gotten to a place where we have reckoned ourselves dead to this point that we just die daily? I couldn't raise my hand. I'm sorry. I couldn't do it. I, I can just tell you just this week alone, I can't. I, I look at back over the week and realize how many times that it was more about me than it was about Jesus. And I know in those moments when it's more about me than it is about Jesus that I have not died daily. I didn't die on that day. On that day, I lived in Christ, didn't get to live in the same way he could have had I died. But Paul got up each and every day and he says, you know what, I die daily. Now, there is in that statement the idea of a choice, a, a firm choice that Paul is making. It's not like he wakes up and says, I'm already, I, I've died. What he's saying is, I 
have to choose to die daily. I must choose each and every day, but I do it. I get up each and every day, and I choose to die daily. Now, it doesn't mean that Paul was making a fleshy effort to do it, not by any means, but it was by a determination of his own heart to say that as he rose, Lord, let me be crucified today. Let my life be crucified. Now, understand when we talk about our picking up our crosses, and and we're going to come to some of those passages this morning as we talk about this, that we can never pick up Jesus's cross, okay? So, you know, don't don't think when I say that I'm crucifying myself, I'm crucifying myself on Jesus' cross. No, only Jesus could do that. It's why we have salvation. But yet even Jesus himself says there's a cross that we're to bear in our lives if we're going to be his disciples. And the cross is an instrument of death. The cross is an instrument of death. It's saying that on that cross, I'm going to put my life today because he did it for me. I will do it for him. I'll put my life on that cross and I will, I will crucify my, myself to all those things that were once important to me so that I can now be this vessel through whom God's spirit can resurrect a new life and, and use me in this world. Paul says, I die daily. And then Romans 14.80 says this. Romans 14.80 says, if, if, For if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. You see, for Paul, life was a continuum. The moment he accepted Christ, life began and, and, and it never ends in death. So for Paul, it didn't matter. The physical life, if it ends so oh well, my life doesn't stop. And so Paul says, I want to live that more than I want to live this. Do you understand? I believe, just honestly, that it is this very issue, it is this very issue that for most of us is the reason that we're not walking the faith life that we'd like to walk, that we see others walk, that we read about here in Paul, and we say, wow, I, I wish my life could be like that. Well, my answer to you is it can be. But are you willing to pay the price that's required because the price is nothing less than death? Paul was willing to pay that. And so when he's in prison, he doesn't get all worked up. You see, I think it's why, unlike the Apostle Paul, we do get so wrapped up in and shaken by our circumstances. A difficulty comes along in my life, whatever it may be, whether it's illness or it's, it's, it's financial difficulty, whatever it is. And, and unlike the Apostle Paul, I don't, I can't praise God in it. I can't be used in it because I'm so wrapped up in it. I'm so focused on it because I'm busier looking at that. But the reason I'm looking at that tells me that I haven't reckoned myself dead. You see, if I were dead, I'd say, okay, what's it going to hurt? What's it going to do to me? What can happen to me? I remember when I was, um, I've learned a lot of lessons over the years and I'm still learning them. And I hope I never stop. But I remember when I was stationed in the Midwest and a number of people had come to Christ. I I was an ROTC instructor. I was a captain at the time. And a number of people had come to Christ um, through a witness I'd given. And and as they did, I was just coming alive. I mean, I was just more and more just getting excited because some of the people were getting saved were people I never thought would get saved and people I'm not sure that my witness was that great in front of. And yet they still came to Christ. And the more that I saw that, the more excited I became. And the more they grew, the more I grew in my excitement. You know what I'm talking about, right? And I remember that this, this, I mentioned it before, but the sergeant major that I worked with, you know, he was really on fire. 
And we'd talk, and he was excited, and he's just witnessing to everybody that he can witness to. We're all witnessing. I mean, we're sharing with our cadets. We're just doing this. And I remember being called in on the carpet by my, my, my commander and told, I will stop it today. You will stop this. You'll stop this witnessing. You'll stop doing this. And there were decisions that had to be made in that, but it was the first time, I think, where I was challenged by it. I was really thrown back by that. Oh, no, what's this going to do to my career? This guy's going to hurt my career. Because that was the threat. I'll finish your I mean, that was, he didn't say it, but it was the subtle threat. I will end your career over this. And I was afraid of that. And then I realized the Lord said, what's it matter? What's it matter if you have your career, but you don't have me working through you? What good will it be in the end? What, what will there be in that day when you stand before me and, oh, you hung on to that in your life, but here you are in the rest of eternity. <laughs> That's going to count for nothing. And the thing that counted for everything is the thing you let go. And then the Lord, as I submitted to that, began to change the, the approach and how we did that. But, you know, there, I still get, it's interesting, I get a Christmas card from this guy who brought me on the carpet every now and then. And, and there was a point in his life where he just wrote and said, uh, I, know, I know you're a man of faith, and you know what, there's something going on in my life. Would you please pray for my family and I on this? Wow. 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 Do, do you understand what I'm saying? I mean, it's probably not being as said as well as I could say it this morning, but it's our tendency to hang on to these things. We look at all these things that are happening in our lives. We look at the circumstances. We look at the impact, and, and it unsettles us. But you see, if it's unsettling us, what I'm telling you is we haven't died because a dead person isn't affected. I mean, you and I freak out if there's a snowstorm coming, but those people in the grave, they don't think, oh, boy, we better stock up on milk because there's a snowstorm coming. They're dead. That's why the writers of Scripture say, what can man do to me? What, what can circumstances do to me? The, the implication being, I'm already dead. It doesn't matter. And now any life I live, I live for the Lord. And that's why the Paul did. But you and I are clinging to our own lives and we're instead of considering ourselves dead and alive to Christ. You see, the real path to life is death. The real path to life is death. But we get out of order. We think that we're going to live, and, and then we're going to find life. But, but life leads to death. The stuff we're clinging on to is dying. It's dying. I shared before, but I love it. And I sh just shared it with the guys when, when I was talking on this topic over at Gettysburg, though I never got this far in that study. But, you know, one of my history book favorite books is Band of Brothers. And one of the most powerful statements in there is the, the one captain who just seems so fearless. His name's Ron Spears. It's a true story. And seems so fearless. And at night, after a major firefight, one of the soldiers, who's totally afraid, totally afraid, didn't even fire a shot in the battle, was hiding in his foxhole, wouldn't even look up. And, and that night, when this captain's walking by and checking the lines, he calls out to him and he says, actually, it was Lieutenant. He said, Lieutenant Spears, he said, uh, he says, aren't you afraid? And Spears stops, and he looks at him, and he says, well, private, we're all afraid. He said, but do you know what your problem is? He said, your problem is, and you haven't done what the rest of us have done. He said, we just have already, we've died. We've died. We're not hanging on to anything. We've died. Your problem is you haven't considered yourself dead. 
And every time I read that or every time I hear that, I think to myself, man, that's, that's us. That's, that's us in Christianity. That's the majority of Christians. I'm sorry, it just is. That we, 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 we can't fight the good fight because we're so busy trying to hang on to everything that's important to us about our lives instead of just considering ourselves dead. If we consider ourselves dead, we throw ourselves into battle. And that was his point. If, if you already consider yourself dead, what does it matter? You get up and you do what you got to do. You pull the trigger and you fire and you pull the trigger and you fire and you charge forward into the enemy because what are they going to do to you? You already counted the cost. But we don't, and so we don't go into the charge. Listen, it's only death, it's only through death that we're set free to truly live. Paul was a man who had accepted this reality in his life, but he accepted it because he knew that, that in Christ, life was a continuum. I, I shared at a men's conference, and I will never forget, it was the guys from Courageous. Remember the gang leader? That really nasty dude that was the gang, if you saw Courageous? You know, well, he was there. He was there. I remember sitting in a room with him before, and we prayed, and when he walked in the room, I said, ooh, you're the scary dude. <laughs> and he said, not really. He said, that was a hard part to play, because it's just not my nature. But he gave one of the greatest testimonies, an illustration of testimony I'd ever seen to the guys. He took a rope. You ever seen, uh, I, I'm not talking about a thread, I'm talking about a real rope. You know how they tie around the end of the rope? They'll tie a piece of tape around it. It keeps it from fraying, right? And, and he pulled this out, and he held it up, and he said, I want to talk about our lives. He said, you know what? He said, if you imagine this rope as your life, he said, this part right here, and he held it up, and he was pointing at the tape. He said, most of us, this is our life on earth, and this is what we pay attention to. This is what we give ourselves over to. This is what we invest ourselves in. And he said, but in the process, we forget that the whole rope is our life. And he starts pulling this rope, and it's coming out of a closet, and he just keeps pulling it, and he keeps pulling. He says, this is your life. And he keeps pulling it, and he keeps pulling it, and it never seems to end. He has such a huge rope, it just doesn't end. And he makes the point. He's got this huge statue of rope now in front of him, and he looks up and he says, but you're investing only in this. <laughs> you see? But, but, but Paul didn't. Paul looked at life as a continuum, and he understood, I put my faith in Christ, and the moment I did that, my life truly began. But the part of my life that began wasn't this earthly life. The part of my life that began was eternal life. Do you understand? We talk about we have eternal life, but you and I tend to think of eternal life as only beginning the day we die. We think of the, the preachers, the, 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 the funerals we've been to talking about eternal life, and, and we have this separation between the two. But in reality, eternal life began for you and me the day that we put our faith in Christ. It began, now, eternity began for all of us the day we were born, but it wasn't eternal life. Eternal life only began when we put our faith in Christ. It was death, the eternal death before that. But in Christ, eternal life began the day that you'd made that profession to Christ whenever it was. So for me, it was 1975. That's a long time ago. It doesn't seem that long. And I look to the future and I say, okay, well, well how much of this life do I have left? What, I'll be 58 this year? Well, I'm a, how much of my life do I have left? 20 years? 25 years? 30 years? Who knows? Maybe a year. Maybe less than that. Who knows? The point is, what, what already has passed, there's a lot left on this side of it. But you know what? There's a whole lot of the other side. And when I begin to understand that that has already begun, then I can start saying, well, what part am I going to focus on? The part that's going to come to an end or the part that's not? 
And so I begin to invest myself. And that's what Paul did. And because of that, he could be used. He could get in these circumstances and say, you know what? Praise the Lord. Even though I don't want to be here, praise the Lord that I am here. What can he do with me now? Because they can't do anything to me. What can he do with me? How can he use me? You see? I think, I think Paul understood what Jesus meant in Matthew 16, verses 24 and 25. Jesus said this, Matthew 16, 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Will find it. Wow. Well, he desires to come after me. Let him deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. Because Jesus is saying, you know what? If, if you don't die, you're, you're never going to find this life. You may have it, but you're not going to find it. You, you're not going to tap in to what God has already provided in your life if you're not willing to die. You won't know the spiritual things that God has for you that are just flowing beneath the surface of your life, but, but you can't tap into it because you haven't let go so that you can. But the moment you do, the springs burst forth. They, they burst forth. In Luke, when Jesus, or Luke's recording of this verse, and I'm sure Jesus has said it a number of times, I don't believe it's just one instance, but when Luke records it, he says, uh, if you're not willing to do this, you can't be my disciple. If you're not willing to die, you can't be my disciple. I was just talking to somebody this week. I I make a differentiation, and I think it's a biblical differentiation. I don't think what Jesus is saying, if you're not willing to die like this as a believer, that, well, you're going to lose your salvation or you can't be a believer. I think you can be, because I think there's a difference between being a follower of Jesus and being a disciple of Jesus. And I think when Luke records that statement, I think he's making that differential for us of saying, if you want to be a follower, then yeah, go ahead, go on with your life, do whatever you're doing, you know, just follow the Lord. But at the end of the day, if you really want to be a disciple... If you want to be a disciple, now Paul's a disciple. Paul's not just a follower. Paul isn't just sitting on the sidelines cheering on the master, as in just kind of hanging in the edge of the crowd like a groupie. Paul is, Paul is a, he's a, he's a zealot for Jesus. He's a disciple for Jesus. But, he, but to be a disciple, we have to die. You see, that's, that's what makes a disciple a disciple. Disciples are willing to die. That's why when the multitude that's following Jesus finally leaves in John 6, right, when they all depart him, what were they? They were following. They were following along. Does it mean that all of those that left weren't, weren't saved? No, it doesn't mean that, but it does mean that the things Jesus started talking about were too hard. He starts talking about his death. He starts talking about the things that they're going to suffer. He starts talking about these things in the crowd saying, hey, this is too much for us. We're out of here. Listen very carefully because it's the truth. There are more followers today in churches than there are disciples. There's more followers in the body of Christ today than there are disciples. What do you want to be? If you want to be a disciple, then pick up your cross and lay your life upon it each and every day. Like Paul, I die daily. I lay my life upon it each and every day, and more and more I regard less the things of my life and regard more the things of his kingdom because the moment you do that, I'm telling you, you cross over into a different world. You cross into a different world, and, and suddenly you're tapping into that eternal life, and you begin to see the big picture of it all. You begin to see what it's all about. You begin to understand that, you know what? It's not just about going through the motions. Man, the things I'm doing have eternal implications. 
The stuff I'm, and, and suddenly, I, my job may never change where I'm working, but you know what? I go to work with a completely different attitude because I'm going in there and I suddenly start seeing the lost souls. Or I suddenly start walking in there. And God bless you guys, because you were listening last week. I had so many people talking about, man, that was just touching me. Somebody had said, you know, this whole, you were right where I was because, you know, I just, I hate my job. And, and you were talking about this and I started to get convicted about it. Yes, because you suddenly realize that maybe the Lord put you there for a reason. You don't like like it there, but if you've died to yourself, what does it matter if he's placed you there? And if he's placed you there, then suddenly you have this perspective that says, okay, Lord, what do you want me to do here? I'm telling you, it doesn't take long before you begin to see, and before you begin to see the lost souls, before you begin to see the opportunities that God is putting before you to that thing that you're chained to, you see. But that's not going to happen until you die. It's not going to happen. Let's go on, verse 22. He said, but if I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit from my labor. Paul says, you know, the only aspect of living that Paul clung to was in regard to what fruit his life could bear for God's kingdom in this world. And now here specifically, he's talking about the fruit it could bear in the life of these believers who God has entrusted to his care. Now, I like this because in other words, what he's saying, living his life on earth was about Jesus, not about himself or his own desires. Paul was a man who knew that he wasn't here for himself. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Journey in the Word, a verse-by-verse teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel of the Cumberland Valley. If you would like to listen to more teachings or find out more information about us, go to www.journeyintheword.org. That's www.journeyintheword.org. Thanks again for listening. We hope you'll tune in for our next episode as we continue our Journey in the Word.